0: don't
1: Great job, everybody. Okay, now, how many of you knew that song? If you knew it, shout it out either campus online. Just shout it out. Yeah, I didn't think anybody oh, would. Oh,
0: that's a bummer. Okay, well, not that's okay. Really.
1: That's a newer song. I didn't know it either. It was called Without a Fight. Yeah. Anybody off chance know the artist then? The silent here is South North.
0: Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley. Demi Lovato.
1: And Demi Lovato. Don't go look up the song. Don't, we changed look the look
0: lyrics up. a little bit, so... <laughs>
1: Oh, man, let all the secrets out. I'm just kidding. Hey, listen, if you're new, if you're just tuning in online, like I say every week, you're still in the right place. This is still church. We're just in a series called Love Songs. Before I get into that, I want to take a minute and welcome in our family joining us right now over at the North Campus and all of our family joining us online. Wherever you are watching or joining from, and a special shout out to Upshur County Jail. Come on, South Campus. Let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. We're grateful that you are with us today. I have the privilege of having my beautiful bride with me today. So anytime she's on the platform with me, it it's is a, a better little day. Scary. No, gotta... it's a better day. I'm less scared when you're up here with me. I'm I a little it. nervous sometimes because you don't know what you're going to say. But um,
0: I know what I'm going to say. I'm just an oversharer. I don't know what she's going to
1: say. <laughs> yes, She knows, but I don't. That's what makes it scary. Anyway, um, we're in a series called Love Songs. And uh, one of the things that we are doing in this series at the end of the series is we're going to have a q and a for uh, any questions you might have on relationships or on marriage that we maybe didn't get a chance to cover. And some people have already started sending in those questions. So if you have questions, you can text them to, or you can text the word love songs" to 903200. 3808 love songs one word or there's a qr code at both campuses on the screen here on the side and you can scan that and you can fill that out or if you're online you can just message us okay so any way you want to get those questions in we'll cover those at the end but we are in week three of this series and so far uh, we started with a song called you're the one that i want everybody knew that one and since then it's been slim pickings for the songs and i told you it was going to be I was going to have to go deep into the bag for these, but um, the first one was all about how you have to find your completion and your purpose in God first, before and after marriage, and how we can't be led by our feelings. Then we talked last week about, it's called You Don't Bring Me Flowers, and that was another obscure song, very downer, actually, very sad song, about a couple that had lost their love. They found themselves in a place where the love had grown cold. And we talked last week about how to get that back and how to get the passion and the fire back, including in your relationship with Jesus. And so if you miss those, go back and give them a listen. But today it is without a fight, yep. right? And that's why my bride is with me here today, uh, because the words of that song are about a couple that just can't seem to not fight and fuss all the time And uh, one of the lines was, how come we just can't get along the way we love just doesn't seem right, you know. And that's where so many people find themselves, in a place where they just constantly are fighting. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today.
0: Yes, I get to give us all the friendly reminder that Pastor Stephen normally says, to listen for yourselves. Don't nudge your spouse or the person next to you like, hey, you need to work on that, or some clearly placed... um,
1: Coughs. Coughs you know, like, or anything
0: like that. So listen for yourself.
1: Like, he's no talking matter, to you. Like no don't, matter
0: what it is, yeah. even and if you're single, you can learn something. Right. The Holy Spirit can speak to you, and yeah, you there, can learn something There's today. a
1: lot you can learn for any relationship, but don't forget, we can see you. So if you're nudging, and after we said it, you may just get called out. You may just be like, hey, I just said don't do that. Now, anyway, uh, but listen for yourself. But when we talk about fighting, when we talk about conflict, I think it's interesting, specifically married couples, they... When they get married, they get surprised that at some point they have conflict, that they have some sort of fight that happens, and they think we're the only ones, and nobody deals with this same thing that we're dealing with. But almost every couple we've ever counseled on marriage, especially young couples, they're like, no one else deals with this. And we're like, we're talking about everybody else deals with the exact same things that you're talking about, and that's because you're married. (laughs) Here's an encouraging scripture for you. 1 Corinthians 7, 28, this is what Paul says. He says, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. I just wanted to encourage you today. um, If you're single, you need to know (laughs) if you get married, you will have conflict. All right. You will have some struggles at times. There will be disagreements. The question isn't, will you have conflict? It's how will you have conflict? Because you're, gonna, you're going to have it, right? So we want to talk a little bit about that today and remember that there is a fight. We just got to remember what kind of fight it is, right?
0: Many times when we're fighting, it feels like we're fighting against each other, but we're really not fighting against each other. We should be fighting for each other. And I know for me, if I can keep that in the forefront front of my mind that many times this battle is not really between Stephen and I. The enemy's interfering and wants to destroy our marriage. So if I can keep that in the forefront of our mind, it helps me um, fight well, if that's there's such a thing, which we're going to learn about, have good, conf- good healthy conflict, but it also makes the outcome of our argument turn out so much better. So um, we just have to remember that we fight against the destroyer of marriage, which is the enemy, not against marriage itself. So that's good if we can Keep that in our minds. The lie of the enemy. Um, I knew I dealt. I know I dealt with this a lot. Whenever we first got married, um, I grew up in a wonderful home, uh, but my parents literally never had conflict. I remember eighteen years of my life. Well, they had it. They, not we just, conflict. we just didn't see it. And so I just thought any sort of conflict when we first got married, it was terrible. I would cry for hours and hours. And then, um, uh, I would say the D word it's coming. It's coming. The D word is coming. That's divorce. If those of you, I'm not trying to say a bad word. And, um,
1: it is a bad word to us.
0: Yes, it is. But I, it just was so overwhelming. But I had to come to the realization that there is a way to have healthy conflict, and it's part of marriage. But as you grow and mature, we had to figure out how to how to have conflict with each other, not how his parents did it, not how my parents did it, but how to do it in a healthy way.
1: Yeah, and so you know, a healthy marriage this is what you need to know is not one that is void of conflict. But one that is committed to healthy conflict, okay? So if you think, you know, hey, well, we're just, we're we're never supposed to have a disagreement, an argument, or a fight, like you're in for a rude awakening when you get married. Married people know this, right? So conflict's just a part of life, uh, not just in marriage, it's a part of any relationship you have with another human being, okay? So there are principles today you can learn to apply in any conflict or any fight. In fact, James 4.1 talks about what starts this. Uh, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? This really is so true that almost every fight, every disagreement, every argument that comes uh, between you and anyone else will be, be because of the desires in us that are in opposition to the desires in that other person, right? Desires that maybe aren't getting met, maybe we feel taken advantage of, or simply it could just be our own selfishness or our own preference that we're um, getting upset about. And so so there are some main things that couples typically fight over. Every, Every married couple fights over pretty much three things at some point. Maybe you've heard this before, but they're always gonna argue about either money sex or kids like those three things are the starters for them right now there are other ones you could you could fight about in laws that's another one right it's off the quiet all their in-laws here. are
0: here. Don't call yeah, them. If they're okay. here,
1: don't say anything. Don't look at them. But Unreal- it is a part of it, yeah. right?
0: Unrealistic uh, expectations.
1: We fight about unrealistic mm-hmm. expectations we put yep. on each other, miscommunication, a mm-hmm. lack of communication. All of those things play into it, or even maybe unmet needs mm-hmm. that probably haven't even been voiced. Yeah. But these are some of the things that cause conflict. Do you remember? Yep. We talked about this before, but you remember our first fight?
0: Yep. Anybody in here remember it? We've talked about it quite a bit. It was over how to clean. We're still have conflict about how to clean. Praise the not, Lord. Not
1: to the same level. Yes,
0: not to the same level. But our very first argument was about whether to spray the dusting, on, the dusting spray onto the furniture or on the rag. The right answer is both. on the furniture. It's
1: both. It's both. <laughs> it I even says it. that you can do either one anyway. Yes, yes. You can tell we've talked about this before. <laughs> I uh, love
0: it. It does say you can do either one on the can. So Yeah, yeah you're right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. You're no, right. You're and right.
0: then our, our most recent fight was actually yesterday. Yeah, we
1: were like, what can this we talk so about our good. latest fight? And we were like, it was yesterday. Yes. Uh, on was, the way back from Dallas. It was Dallas. about money
0: and kids. And yep. we were on our way from Dallas, on our way home from Dallas. We had mm-hmm. a fun uh, romantic getaway. And then on the way home. <laughs> and then home, on the way home. We were talking about money and kids. We were like, hey, uh, we're talking
1: about conflict tomorrow. We get, a, we get a chance to really put this into practice Today. And we were
0: supposed to be practicing our message. Yeah, we were supposed to
1: talk through it. And we it.
0: spent an hour. Instead, arguing. we
1: actually put it into actual practice. So, we. <laughs> Listen, when you well. when you speak, you have to do before you speak what you're doing. This is how it works. So if you ever want to speak one day somewhere, just be prepared for whatever you're going to talk about, you're going to go through. Yeah, so. But
0: if you haven't figured out already in your marriage or maybe you're mm-hmm. single yet, many times whenever you come into a marriage, your spouse, not all the time, but your spouse learned to deal with conflict a different way than you did. I already spoke to this a little bit. Our family had no conflict outwardly his family had a lot of outward conflict they were great they have a healthy marriage i got to live his parents were like spiritual parents to me and i got to learn how to have healthy conflict from his parents but um, you come from different backgrounds different ways of doing things it doesn't mean that his ways wrong and my ways right or my ways right i said that backwards but
1: no they're both yeah there's no right or wrong way necessarily because you're out. bringing two things in but you just have to commit to doing it in a healthy manner yeah and figure out some rules you want to put into practice for that. You know that 70% of marriages get stuck in conflict. They never actually resolve the conflict they have. They just manage the tension, or they totally ignore it, hoping that it will just go away. And it doesn't just go away. It just prolongs whatever's going to explode at some point until you deal with it. And so that's why we want to talk about it today, is dealing with conflict, rules for conflict. And one of the main things we kind of talked about last week that really you could talk about every week in, when it comes to relationships, is that there are power in your words, right? Proverbs 18, 21, we mentioned last week that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Remember we said that you're going to eat the fruit of that. That's what the scripture says. So when it comes to fighting and disagreements in your marriage, you're eating the fruit in that moment of the words you're saying in that moment. So it's very important that you pay attention to the words you say. But it's not just the words you say. Sandra always tells me, it's not just what you say, it's, it's how, how you, you say, say it. it. All right? the women say amen. Because you could say the right things, but the wrong way, and it's now the wrong thing. So, <laughs> men, like maybe we're the ones that deal with it more. I don't think it's just us, you know, but the reality is it's not just what you say. It's how you say it, right?
0: Yeah, in Proverbs 15.1, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare and i'm sure we can all relate we've been in that argument that disagreement you're having a very civil conversation you're disagreeing a little bit and then someone says something in the wrong tone they raise their voice whatever it may be and then tempers flare you get angry there starts to be real fighting and that's not it the way just escalates for right? sure so looking at first corinthians 13 many of us know that as the love chapter it actually gives us a beautiful picture of how to love what love is how to respond to our spouse so let's look at that together. It says 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 5. Many of us know this, but it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Amen? <laughs> That's that alone
1: tough. is pretty <laughs> tough, and we're going to get into some of that in a minute. But here's the thing, like again, like Tandra said, the, this is not just a way to, to love. It's a way to respond in love during conflict. So a little further down in First Corinthians 13, it's going to give us four always and one never of love. Now, Tandra and I, we've always told people, I said, I just used it, we try to tell people to avoid the use of always and never because the word always and never in conflict it doesn't turn out well because you start saying things like you always do this or you never do that. And none of that is true. What we're, we're just, we're giving blanket statements to make a point for ourselves. We tell this to our kids all the time. You can't, don't say always because it's not always and don't say never because it's not never. But in this case, in 1 Corinthians 13, there are four good always and one good never that we're going to look at. In fact, verse seven says it this way. This is what love always does. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So there's the four always in one never. So what we want to do is take some time today to look at these four always when it comes to conflict, okay? So how to make it through conflict by looking through the lens of love. So the first one, if you're taking notes when it comes to fighting and conflict, love always protects. What does that look like? Love always protects. Now, men... When we hear that, we can easily think, you know, of a physical protection, right? Some sort of physical strength. Like, I got you. You know, you come up and you, you want to pick a fight with my girl. I got you. I'm going to defend you. I will fight for you. I will die for you. Right, man? We, we got that sense sometimes. Now, not everybody's that way. I heard a comedian once say, hey, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So if you're with me and you get slapped, you just got slapped. Like, <laughs> there's no point in both of us getting slapped. <laughs> somebody's got to make it out to tell the cops what happened. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That was Pastor Gary. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what does it look like to protect? It's not just physical, it's emotional and spiritual as well. So I'm going to give you some things to protect. How do you protect in conflict? The first one is you got to make the choice that you're going to protect in public which means that we're going to make the choice not to fight in public. We're not going to fight in front of other people. We're not going to fight in front of our kids because you rarely get to a good resolve while you're in front of other people because what you've done in that moment is you've made this a spectator sport, and everybody else starts to gather and watch you guys duke it out, and you now think you have to win in front of the other person. It's never good in public. So we want to protect in public,
0: right. We also want to re- protect from verbal attacks. Okay, this could be name calling. This could be yelling, raising your voice. The Word of God says that the Holy Spirit gives us self control, so we can tame our tongue. There's no need to yell in conflict, to raise our voice, voice or name call. Also, in Matthew twelve thirty six, it says that we will give an account for every careless word you spoke. Why do I get all the hard scriptures? No, they're good. I but, made
1: you say them. So no, that... but
0: it's good. But we have to give an account for every word that we speak, even in conflict with our spouse or in another relationship, we're going to have to stand before the Lord. So name calling, all it does is hurts the other person. We know that. Um, yelling. It refers to the scripture earlier, you know, a harsh answer uh, provokes anger. And so it's never healthy.
1: Yeah, we used to always hear as kids growing up, you've heard this phrase before that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words. words will never hurt me. And that's a lie. That's a lie. Words do hurt. The difference is, is sticks and stones may break you on the outside, but words will bruise you on the inside. And the problem with that is when your words are bruising your spouse or any other person, it's not always seen in the moment. It's under the surface. A bruise is under the skin. And you don't realize that it's bruised till somebody touches that spot. And then they're like, ow. Well, words you've been speaking have been bruising them beneath the surface, and so we can think, "Well, our word—I didn't really mean that." But if you said it, yeah. it's a bruise on the inside. Even if you come and say, "No, I didn't mean—I didn't mean that." Well, you gotta, we got to pay attention to our words. We're gonna have to give an account. That's a scare for every careless words. I, I've let some careless words slip before, so. That's a scary thought. Um, so it's not just verbal attacks, though, you want to protect them from. You're going to protect them from, again, this is what we talked about earlier, but physical attacks, not from other people, from you. You're never physical, right? We're not going to get physical in a disagreement or an arguing. You know, I've heard of people say, well, we, you know, we just throw some things sometimes. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to hit them. And it, listen, this goes for ladies too, okay? I know people looking at men All right, but I mean, we've had to counsel people where women are going and hitting their husbands and punching them, and they're like, well, they're not gonna do anything because they know they can't do anything to you, but that doesn't give you an excuse to hit and punch and fight them, right? I remember uh, some couples years ago telling me that they just, they get real explosive when they fight, and they're like, oh, but it's okay, we always make up. They threw things, and, and she would punch him, and I've heard this from a couple couples, and sadly, neither one of them are married anymore. Now, I'll just tell you physical will always lead to an altercation where it's not good. Okay. So you've got to make that commitment. I am not going to let it escalate to where I am physical at any way.
0: Yeah. Our last protect is protect from the enemy's lies. And let me explain what we mean by this. Um, in conflict, everybody deals with it different. That's differently. That's what we're talking about. Um, but you have your shutter downers, you know, and then your explosive people uh, most of the time. And it, could be either gender. It's different in every marriage. But what I, we have found is many times, um, whenever the other person shuts down or they want to avoid the conflict and they don't want to, um, they don't want to resolve it. They don't want to make it better. What happens if I shut down and I go over here and I go pout in my room for hours and hours and hours? The enemy will start lying to me about the situation about the conflict, about Stephen. He doesn't love me. If he loved me, he would walk in this room right now and check on me. You know, all those, I've had that real thought before. Uh, So, you know, but many times the the same thing is not going through his head. So all we do is just let the enemy get in our head. And so it's okay to walk away. If you need a minute, it's okay. But don't let it go so long that you allow the enemy to lie to your spouse and plant seeds of doubt and um, insecurity in your spouse's.
1: Yeah, Ephesians four twenty six and 27 says it this way. Be angry and do not sin. You, many of you have heard this. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. So getting frustrated or, or you know angry in the moment is not the sin part. Right. It's not bringing it to a healthy resolve is where it becomes a sin. And allowing the enemy to speak to you. I was, Jimmy Evans used to always say this. When you go to bed angry, you let the devil counsel you. Because he is speaking into your ear the worst thing about your spouse. You never think the best things after a disagreement. You always think the worst things. He's planting seeds in your mind that they don't have a chance to speak into or to resolve. And like Tandra said, you know, I'll admit it. There's been times I didn't recognize that we weren't done. I thought I was at peace. I was resolved. You know, I'm a waffle. I have moved on. And she's still swimming in it. And I didn't know. So
0: it's so obvious, yeah, right? Well
1: no, it's not. We're dumb. You just gotta tell us I'm not done. You know, like
0: I've learned to say that. We're not done. Come back, come back, come back, we're not <laughs> so, done. So
1: your boy went to sleep. And I was just like, It's eleven, I gotta get up, I'm tired. And she was not okay, you know, and the enemy was in her ear all night about that and we had to wake up and resolve it. Um and we did, we got to a healthy resolve, but <laughs> I had to wake up, she didn't go to sleep. You're right, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so now I sleep with one eye open. You okay? You okay? Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That's for my own physical protection though. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I told you you don't know what we're going to say up here. But when you go to bed angry again, like I said, you don't the enemy will not cause you to think good thoughts about your spouse. And Philippians 4, 8, if you've ever read this passage, tells us what to think about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. These are things we're supposed to think about, but they're also what we're supposed to think about our spouse. And you will not think those thoughts about your spouse when you have gone to bed angry at them because the enemy is telling you how terrible they are. Like, they don't love you or they would recognize the problem. Those are all lies, okay? So... You're actually, when you choose to resolve it with your spouse, you're protecting them from the lies of the enemy as well as yourself from the lies of the enemy, right? Yeah. So run it through those filters we talked about with love earlier, being kind and patient, doesn't boast. But then there's three that it mentions that are great for resolving conflict. Love is not proud, it does not dishonor, and is not self-seeking. The first one is love is not yeah. proud, okay? It's not yeah. proud. Let me talk about that for just a minute because you will never resolve conflict when you are proud you have to humble yourself and take ownership for what is wrong the first human being got this wrong by the way Adam when God came to Adam in the garden was like Adam what happened he see well see what happened Lord the woman you gave me he blamed Eve and God in the same breath
0: you gave me yeah
1: every other living being it's their fault There was only two people he could have blamed, and he did it. He blamed them both in one second, you know, and we still do that. We'll see if she would fix it, Lord. Take ownership and say, hey, I need to humble myself. This is what we've found, not just in our marriage, but in all relationships we've counseled, that pride kills relationships, but humility heals relationships. If you cannot be humble, you will never get health in your relationship.
0: Yeah, that's so, so good. Something that Stephen and I say often is um, it doesn't matter who is right in the argument or in the situation, but what matters is what is right. And if you can humble yourself and go, okay, this battle is not against Stephen right now, or your spouse, sorry. Uh, but I mean, it's not, not against me either. You need to know that for but, you. But what is the right thing to do right now? It doesn't really matter if I win or if he wins. Um, but what is the right thing to do right now? Um, there always can be resolved there. So our next one is love does not dishonor. Honor, as we know, is necessary. And we have to have honor to have a healthy relationship. And honor is simply placing value on someone. Do you bring value to your spouse? Do you add value to their life? Sometimes this is done through words. You know, what are my words saying about my spouse? Am I lifting them up? Am I um, building them up or am I tearing them down? Are your words dishonoring? Um, This is also really important in um, not just in the private, but in public. What are you talking about with your friends? You know, um, I've been, I've had to go back to my friends a few times and just say, hey, What I said about my husband, I'm so sorry. That is not who he is. And they all know that, but I've had to go humble myself and apologize. So what are your words... Communicating, especially in conflict, and um, many times we can say something. We get frustrated, we get in our flesh, and we say something. And in a moment of frustration, we say something that will take years to undo. And we we can prevent that if we choose to honor, even if the even if the spouse is not being honorable. I think you spoke to that last week, Kenny. Just continue to speak honor, and they will rise to that. So
1: that's good. But the third one on that is love is not self-seeking. Now, in conflict, this is a big one. When you're fighting, it's very easy to be self-seeking in the moment, and you can't come, again, to a healthy resolve if you're trying to win the argument or to win the fight, right? You have to ask yourself this question, who am I trying to protect here? Am I trying to protect me or am I trying to protect them? Because if you think you're trying to protect you in a disagreement, it will become a me versus you, and then everything I say and do after that is self-seeking in this moment. So you got to listen before you speak, because when we're in a disagreement, if I'm just speaking, I'm trying to explain everything about my feelings and emotions to her without trying to get to the place of understanding where she's coming from. We won't get to a resolve. So you want to seek to understand before being understood. That this is the key to love being not self-seeking is that I would rather understand where you're coming from so that I can help us get to a healthy resolve rather than just only telling you what I feel in this moment because then it's a me versus
0: And if you don't, if you don't do that, your spouse may not feel safe coming to you or whoever you're in conflict with. So marriage should be the safest relationship that we have. Your spouse should feel secure. They should feel protected. They should uh, be able to confide in you with your emotions, your feelings. And I know sometimes that's hard. Um, it, I'm, I don't want to just say women. Sometimes the men are the more emotional ones. But um, it was hard for me at first, you know, because he didn't understand while I was still crying. Like, why why, why are we still crying? And um, so it was hard sometimes to open up. Over cleaning spray.
1: Like, why well, are we? I mean, that's really I was like, yeah. what's? why are you crying? Like, what's going on? Yeah.
0: But over time. Just stop. No, over, I didn't say
1: that. I didn't say that. No,
0: you didn't. But I over, thought it, though. Over I did time, think it.
1: I got to be honest. Confession
0: yes but over time we learned how he he chose to listen even though he didn't understand why I was still crying and then I we got to a place where I felt safe and I could bring him and say hey there's gonna be a lot of tears I just need you to buckle up for just a second and and uh and hear my heart and he was he was good at doing that but your your spouse should be the safest place so here's a question for all of us today is does your spouse confide in you or do they hide from you you know, people around you, relationships around you, not just your spouse. Can people confide in you? Are you a safe place to come for your spouse or do you, do they tend to hide from you? Or here's a good one. They don't ever talk to you about anything as, as your wife or your husband, but they talk to all their friends. So are their friends a safer place than you are? So that's a good question to ask ourselves today.
1: And when it comes to conflict, specifically what she's talking about, you want them to come to you to work through it. Like, and if they know that you're going to protect them in it and you're going to get to a healthy resolution, then they will they will confide in you what's going on inside of them so they can get healed of that. But if they're always hiding, you have to say, maybe it's me. Maybe it's the way that I'm handling this conflict that's not allowing them to feel safe to come to me. So that's a, an important part of protecting in conflict. So that's the longest one, by the way. We're not they're all going to be that long but love always protects. Here's the second one, love always trusts. Trust is a, another key to conflict and fighting when it comes to any relationship, but specifically in marriage, another way that many translations say it is love believes all things, or we always say believes the best about the other person. We're always talking to our kids like, hey, you got to do what love does, you have to choose to believe the best about them, choose to believe the best about their intentions and motives, because the reality for all of us is we choose to believe the worst first, right? Like we, we go to the worst case scenario that's there versus the best case scenario.
0: Most of the time, our arguments start because of assumptions of bad motives. So even though Stephen's motives could have been completely pure, I just make assumptions up. And well, you said this, but I know what you really meant. You really meant this. And you, you're intentionally ignoring me. You're not talking to me on purpose, which 90% of the time is not the case. Right it's not the case at all so we motive stack we stack motives to actions and we build a list of wrongs and then it's a whole unhealthy cycle um, at that point first Corinthians says thir- excuse me first Corinthians 13 five says love keeps no record of wrongs so we it's really easy to keep records of our spouse's wrongs but not keep record of our wrongs and that doesn't why we have a tendency laughing. to
1: forget our own wrongs pretty easily. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah. But whenever we do that, we don't provide grace for our spouse. And we've been given grace from mm-hmm. the Lord, from God. So why, why are we not able to give grace to our spouses and believe the best?
1: Yeah, and that's one of the most challenging things probably, especially when it comes to a fight. Because I promise you, when you start to disagree with your spouse, you're going to remember everything that they have ever done wrong. It will just be pulled up so quickly all of a sudden. Things you hadn't even thought about, it'll be like, right there at the tip of your tongue to use against them. And like Tandra said, is you're assigning motives to the things they've done in the past or even the things they're doing in the moment, and we forget that God keeps no record of our wrongs, you know, but we're keeping record of their wrongs. In fact, the scripture says in Hebrews eight twelve, he says, I will forgive their sins and I will remember their sins no more. So I'm so thankful that God doesn't remember my sins, yet I in turn have a tendency to remember uh, the wrongs of Tandra. But When it comes to trusting in conflict, in order to have trust, you have to forgive because God has forgiven us. If I'm going to choose to trust you, I have to forgive everything that's happened already so I can continue to trust you in the future. In fact, Ephesians 4 has this list of things. Tell me if it sounds familiar from what we've already talked about. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. I think we just that's all that happens in conflict. Instead, this is where it goes back to the love we just talked about. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Because God has forgiven us of so much, how could we not continue to forgive our spouse? But here's a key. When you choose to give trust in the middle of conflict, it means that I'm trusting in the present not based on the past. You're trusting their motives now, not what their motives might have been five years ago. You're trusting what they're telling you in this moment is true, believing the best about right now versus saying I'm gonna pull up some things from the past. It's like this, I was talking to Tandra about it. It's like every night you go to bed, you got to go to the, the hard drive of your mind and delete that folder that has all of the files of their wrongdoings on it. So that tomorrow morning, it's a fresh hard drive, okay? That's what has to happen when it comes to conflict with your spouse. You got to delete that that folder every night.
0: That's great, babe. Our third always is love always hopes. So obviously, hope is a key ingredient to making every struggle um, that you'll face as a couple. If you don't have hope for your marriage, you will not make it through conflict. Um, When you lose hope... Um, in your relationship, in your marriage, many times you will begin to give up on the relationship. So always hopes means that we never consider the other person a lost cause. Um, As you know, in marriage, you get to see the very best of your spouse and you get to see the very worst.
1: You see (laughs) the the worst in them all the, the time.
0: The worst of your spouse. You get to see when they fall, when they fail, yep. when they mess up. And so yep. you have to choose, uh, like we said earlier, to believe the best. But many times, whenever we lose hope, you quit communicating, mm-hmm. you quit working on it, you yep. quit trying, and yeah. obviously that road leads to destruction.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, you find a lot of people in a place of hopelessness in their marriage, and a lot of it's because they never chose to work through this conflict. But let me just tell you one really key ingredient To have hope in your marriage, and that is prayer. Prayer is the key to hope in your marriage or any relationship. If you are not praying, not only for your spouse, but with your spouse, the chances of you losing hope go way up because prayer reminds us that our hope is not in our spouse changing, but our hope is in God. It's in God who created marriage. So hope for your marriage is in the God who created marriage itself, that he can heal all things, redeem all things, and if your hope is only in that person, you will lose hope very quickly because you see, like Tandra said, all of the flaws, all of the negative things. So you have to say, hey, what's my prayer life like for my spouse and with my spouse? In conflict, you might just have to stop and pray in that moment. You want to bring some peace to a moment? If you can both say, hey, let's just stop and pray. We've had to do this a few times where we couldn't get resolved and we're like, we're not getting there. Let's just stop and pray. And again, that takes humility because you just want to keep going because you're trying to win. But as soon as you get to the place, you can say, let's just stop and pray and ask God to come into this moment. It's like as you pray, hope comes back that this person is not that enemy, that we have a real enemy that we're fighting against. So stop and pray with each other, okay? So that's love always hopes. And the fourth one is love always perseveres. Love always perseveres. Now, this is, the ch- this is a challenging one because the word persevere literally means to remain under. Think about that in terms of conflict. We don't want to remain under conflict. Right. We want to get out of it, right? But to persevere in love means to remain under and work through it. They say that there's only two things that happen when you come into conflict. It'll trigger either fight or flight. But in marriage, you can do neither. You can't fight them and you can't flee them. (laughs) So you got to remain under it and work through it to get to a healthy resolve. This means that you've got to choose to stay and do the work we talked about last week, right? This means that you're going to have to change some things in your vocabulary and in your mind. And like Tandra mentioned earlier, you've got to take the word divorce off the table. Yeah. In conflict, that's when that word starts flying a little too freely. Right. We start using it as a threat. That's got to come off the back of your mind. It, we actually call it the D word like she said earlier because uh, in our mind, it's, it's as bad as a cuss word to us. We can't even put that out there because then the thoughts start going down that trail of this is an option for us. The other thing you have to do, you might have to you might have to take this picture of someone else off the refrigerator of your mind because this is what the enemy will do. You know how you put a picture on your refrigerator of someone that you like someone that's valued to you, we will put a picture of someone else on the refrigerator of our mind. And in those conflict moments, the enemy highlights the best in another person while you're seeing the worst in your spouse. That is what he does. He wants you to think that that other person is perfect and your spouse will never change. And so there's this picture you have. You've got to take that off the fridge and put your spouse on the picture in your mind so you remember the best moments of them when you start to work through that conflict. We can do
0: that on social media too. You're in a conflict with your spouse and you're frustrated and he never takes care of the kids. And then you see some guy out with all, you know, 12 of his kids, not really 12, but a lot of kids. And, and they're just looking like they're killing the dad game. And then you start comparing and, and you, it, causes negativity toward your spouse. So something, a good realization and something to keep in our minds is that a marriage, a great marriage, isn't two perfect people. Pastor Stephen and I are not perfect. None of us are perfect, but it's two people that are willing to persevere, willing to say, I'm in it for the long haul. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how, whatever comes our way, I'm in it for the long haul. So there's so many rewards for perseverance. And some of them you may not see, you're not going to see right away but you will see the fruit later if you choose to persevere choose to stay in choose to do the hard things I don't like to do hard things I like to have fun I like to play I like to eat ice cream and just enjoy life okay but I've learned the older I've gotten if I want to grow if I want to mature, if I want to be a better wife and a better mom, I have to do hard things. I have to grow through conflict, go, grow through a lot of things like that. So perseverance is...
1: Yeah, perseverance is the key to that. It's, it, it's what happens. The scripture makes it clear so many places that the growth that you want in any area of your life happens when you choose to persevere. You know, we talked about this, Tanger and I, this week, that the power of love isn't in the feelings we talk about that all the time you know it's not in the feelings it's like that song by Huey Lewis well that too I was going Huey Lewis in the news the power of love you know you remember that one maybe y'all know that one because you didn't know the first one yeah the power of love the power of love is not in the feeling it's in the staying It's in choosing. That's where the real power of love is. It's in the action of doing. It's in the action of staying. It's in the saying, "I'm going to fight and fight well, so that we get to the healthy resolve." Not fighting for personal victory, but fighting for the health of the relationship. It changes your perspective, and as we run it through that filter of love, and you know, this last week I was out with some friends one morning, having a meeting real early, and I saw this couple come in to have breakfast together. And it was an older couple, and he had a a veteran's hat on. So I just went over as I left to thank him for serving our country and serving us. And I said, how long have you guys been married? And they said, 58 years. And they just smiled and beamed. And I tell you that that couple, first of all, I know they know the Lord because we started talking about it. But you don't stay married for 58 years and never have a problem. The reason that they were married at 58 years is they chose to persevere through some things. They chose to work through some things. And people say, well, I want a marriage when we're sixty, being married for 60 years. Well, the only way to do that is to persevere the way love chooses to do. And when you do that, when you do what love always does, those four always, you get the love that never fails. It's the four always that will lead to the one never. Love never fails. And I know that when you hear this and we talk about this, you can say, man, that's, <laughs> that's really hard. To do all of those things... There's no way that we can do that. And the reality is, by yourself, you cannot. The way that you can love this way is you come to the realization and the revelation that the only way you can love this way is because you were already loved this way by Jesus Christ. The love that was poured out From Jesus on the cross and through the Father who is love is the only way that we can love this way. And if you're going to choose to love this way, you've got to constantly be filled with the love of God and remind yourself that you've been loved this way so I can love this way. It's supernatural. And today we just wanted to give you some hope for your marriage, hope for your relationship, some tools to work through because conflict is coming if it hasn't already but there is hope that no matter what life throws at you, you can make it through it, and you can have a marriage that lasts and a marriage that works, and you can have this love that never fails. Amen? Would you guys stand with us at both campuses, and we want to take a minute and just pray for marriages and pray for relationships, because that's a big part of our heart is that you guys would get hope for what God wants to do in your marriage. And if you find yourself in a place today where you've maybe been stuck, like 70% of people are in this conflict, where you're stuck and you haven't come to a resolve. and Maybe that's caused you to find yourself at a place of hopelessness today. And I just want you to know that God is in the business of restoring things. He's in the business of bringing hope where there is no hope. But if you have to lay that relationship before his feet and say, God, I don't, I don't wanna control this anymore, I'm not trying to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way when it comes to love and relationships and marriage. And when we do, that's when you get that love that never fails.
0: Yeah, I wanted to share something real quick. What something the Lord spoke to me last night. Obviously, we've focused a lot on people, marriages that are hopeless, people that are just they want to get a divorce. They're not happy. Um, And what I felt like the Lord spoke to me today is that there might be more couples out there today that you're. You're in it for the long haul. You're you're gonna stay. You've made up your mind. This is who I this is who I'm with, but you're complacent. You
1: can stay with a little I more joy mean, than sorry. that. <laughs> this is I a wasn't, old bag of bones over here.
0: I wasn't talking to you. But anyways, I mean, anyways.
1: You at me. no, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing.
0: No, but um oh gosh. You
1: sorry, I'm sorry. You're you're no, stuck. Okay. Let me get you back on But
0: but that that. God doesn't want you to just have a, a satisfactory marriage that God wants to wants you to be happy, wants you to have joy in your marriage. I I for real, I'm not joking. I get so excited. Every time that I see him, if he's coming in the church or he's walking in the door at the house or he pulls, I see him driving by, whatever it is, there's still joy in our marriage. I am still so happy and so grateful that I'm married to him and that there's some of us today that you need that spark, you're united. you made a choice. I'm going to stay in it. I'm not going anywhere but you've grown complacent and you've grown content with where you're at. God wants to give you vision for your marriage. God wants to use your marriage. If you're a follower of Jesus, your marriage should be a light and example to those around you, those in your workplace. And so let's pray for that too, just that the Lord would, would heal that, um, heal the broken marriages, but those that are just kind of complacent, just going through the motions, um, that God would just ignite a fire and, and bring that passion back. their marriages
1: amen I wish you would preach all right if you're with your spouse would you take them by the hand put your arm around them let's just go to the Lord Holy Spirit we do want to say as we say every week what do you want to say to us Lord what do you want to speak to us and we're all in different places in our relationships and in life and in marriage and I know that you can take your word and illuminate to things to us that we needed to hear and so today I ask that even in this moment you begin to speak to people and we pray for every marriage God that As Tandra mentioned, is either in a place of feeling broken or hurting or maybe just complacent, God. I pray that you would breathe your spirit into these lives, into these marriages, that you would revive them, God, that the things that have been dry would come back to life, Lord. Even at the scent of water from your word, like we talked about last week, you would bring them back. You bring the passion back in, Lord, the fire back in, God, as they remember the things they did at first, even today. And Lord, I just pray, God a blessing over every marriage, Lord, today, God. It is so critical and so important, Lord, that we choose to stay connected and committed to each other, God, if not for us, for the world around us to see a beautiful picture of you. And so we just pray for every marriage at the sound of our voice today, God, that you would enrich them, you would grow them, Lord. You would fill people with your love so they can choose to love this way, God. We know that we can't love people well without your love. So fill us today with your love. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen.